This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. NBA Sound System L-I-V-E Live. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty in a full off-season mode, Scott. I don't know if I don't know if you have your feet up uh, on your desk and your uh and your sandals on if you're uh, ready for the beach after this episode, but I, I feel like I'm uh, kind of relaxed. I'm, I'm I'm letting loose on this episode, Scott. I know, I feel like we can actually take a, a bit of a deep breath at this point of the NBA calendar. Um and that probably means that Laurie Larry Markinen and Dennis Schroeder will sign somewhere. And Ben Simmons will be <laughs> traded um, in the next forty minutes while we're on this show, but yeah. but yeah, it does feel like we we can kind of take a deep breath at this point, which is nice. A small one, a small one. A small uh, one. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Um, it's it's been nonstop, but it's it's been fun. I'm never going to complain about it. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to to a little bit of a break here before, even though summer league is going on and everything, um, it does feel like we can take a little bit of a step back and gear up for, I think, what is shaping up to be another fascinating season. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I I was watching a little summer league action uh, over the last couple of days, and I had to hit myself and say, "What are you doing? What are you doing to yourself right now? <laughs> this doesn't need to happen." Uh, yeah. But I guess when you're a basketball fan and you're a junkie like we are, uh, you kind of you kind of if basketball's on, you're gonna find it at least to tune in and see what happens. Much to the chagrin of our uh, my fiance and your wife, uh, I'm sure they they would rather us uh, figure out something else to do with our time than watch summer league basketball. But uh, here we are. We're talking NBA uh, as usual across the NBA Global Networks. It's NBA Sound System LFE Live. It, you can find the live show 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, across the NBA Global Networks. You can also find it uh, via podcast and the uh, on your podcast wherever you get your podcasts. NBA Sound System, just look that up. Um, it free agency kind of went in. Uh, it, within a blink of an eye, it felt like everyone signed where they were rumored to be headed. Um, now we could talk about deals because they are official. Uh, that happened last Friday, so we can get into that a little bit, Scott, uh, and, and take care of uh, some some business. When it, this isn't this wasn't the free agency period that we've had the last two years, where it felt like the landscape of the NBA kept shaping around free agency. Um, this is the first time where it feels like uh, you can kind of feel like the NBA may have stayed status quo. Maybe some teams jumped up, some teams got better, but. I think when we discuss our predictions for for next year a little bit later on, we're, we're both going to find out, or maybe you, you might shock me here, but we're both going to find out that things are uh, the way that they should be in the NBA. I think that's fair to say. Although it's still crazy that we can say that you know a week removed from Russell Westbrook being traded to Los Angeles, Los Angeles Lakers. Kyle Lowry signing with the Miami Heat, DeMar DeRozan going to the Chicago Bulls. Like these are big name players who are on the move. Um, I, I'm I'm with you. I still think in the East, the the Bucks and the Nets are in a tier by themselves. I think the Nets are probably the favorites to emerge. No disrespect to the Bucks, but they're probably the favorites to emerge as long as they can stay healthy, which is a big caveat. But we'll see how things play out. Um, I, I do think the Heat improved in quite a big way this offseason. Kyle Lowry. Um, both ends of the core, I think, is just going to fit in so well with what they have. And I also like, you know, them picking up P.J. Tucker. Like, this feels like a pretty pretty deep team, a, a nasty, gritty team that no one is going to want to play. And even if they are a tier below um, 
the Bucks and the Nets in the Eastern Conference. I mean, I think they kind of they've they've geared themselves up for another deep postseason run. And as we've seen over the last couple of years, if you put yourself in that position, you have no idea how things are going to play out. Injuries can happen to the the top teams, and you put yourself in a position to win. So I think they're you know one of the big winners in free agency. But outside of that, you know, like I, I do think the Bulls got better. I still right. don't really know what to make of them, if we're being completely honest, but that's a team that should be in the playoff picture. I don't see them really jumping up to like four or five in the East. So from that perspective, maybe it didn't shape the landscape that much. And then in the West, it just feels like outside of the Lakers who uh, who have been very active, I mean, the focus still kind of feels like it's on injuries, right? Like Jamal Murray in Denver coming back from the ACL tear, Kawhi Leonard on the Clippers coming back from that partial ACL tear. Um, and th- those two injuries could, I mean, they, they really do kind of shape what the West is going to look like next season. Um, and saying that, you know, the Warriors should be healthy, getting Clay back. That team's going to be fascinating. So um, it, it does feel like a safer bet than years past maybe um but we're also talking about the nba here it's crazy who knows again i I said it the other day to you but you know 12 months ago if you had said the suns are going to make the nba finals someone would say you're absolutely insane so things can change very quickly yeah and they will um i i have no question that things will change by the time we get going in the regular season by the way the season doesn't start till october 17th so there's plenty of speculation to be had uh on this show and and also uh, nba.com across the world um when you look at uh who was the winner of free agency where would you go if maybe not necessarily the winner but the team you're most impressed with with their free agent hall um, I mean, I, the Heat are the easy one because they got Kyle Lowry, who's one of the biggest names in free agency. And like I said, they were already a good team, but I do think the the additions they made with Lowry um, and PJ Tucker and Markeith Morris, I think they, they, they've they kind of taken themselves up to another level. So I think they're very clear winners in free agency. Um, the Bulls as well, they made some moves. That team is clearly better. I think the Lakers are fascinating. I think you have to call them winners. Um, I'm not... That sold on the Westbrook addition and his fit next to LeBron and Anthony Davis. But, you know, he, he's still a guy who's averaging a triple-double in his sleep. Um, he didn't make an all-star team this year, but he's still an all-star caliber player. That team is not going to be fun to play against. And, you know, I, I really like the Malik Monk signing for them. I think Carmelo could fit a role in that team. Bringing Dwight back, he's a very good backup center at this point of his career. So I, I think all things considered, like, they, they did a pretty good job this offseason. Um, I also, I mean, the Nets weren't the most active team, which doesn't come as a surprise given their limitations financially and everything like that. But one, you know, locking up Kevin Durant on a long-term extension, that's huge for them. We'll see what happens with James Harden and Kyrie Irving if they're to follow. But getting Kevin Durant on that deal was a big win for them this offseason. And also picking up Patty Mills. Like, I, I don't think anyone really saw um, that happening going into this offseason. And Patty Mills, you know, he, he's not this this big really name player but he's been one of the better backup point guards in the nba for a long time now a guy who knows his role has played in big games before he won a championship with the spurs he's played alongside you know the the tony parker manu ginobili tim duncan core in san antonio he shared the court with Kawhi leonard when he became a star he shared the court with demar Derozan over the last few years like he's just an ultimate professional a locker room guy um someone another ball handler which could become really useful for this team that did deal with injuries last year to their stars and you know he's a knockdown three-point shooter a guy who can shoot off the dribble but also kind of play like a shooting guard running off of screens and spotting up and we all know how important spacing is around um you know when you have three superstars in kevin durant james harden and carrie irving so 
given their limitations, I really like what they were able to do um, this offseason. I'm sure you were asking me about one team there, and I gave you four, but you, you know me. Yeah, I'm going to stick to one team though. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to name the entire league uh, to answer this question. Uh, and the one team may surprise you, Scott, but it, it's the New York Knicks. I think the Knicks okay. here come away. I, I don't want to call them winners, but I am impressed with the Hall and the, the the Hall meaning you know Kemba Walker, who's obviously he was bought out, and they could be pretty much got him just for cap space rather than have to give access to get him. But Evan Fournier as well, getting him. Those that's two starters, right, on a team that. Um, mm-hmm. Desperately needed offense. We know that Tom Thibodeau could coach defense. That this is a team that finished top five in in defensive rating last year. Uh, they were fourth, in fact. But offensively is really where they struggled. If you think about uh, the Knicks, who finished twenty second in offensive rating, scoring one hundred ten point two points per hundred possessions, uh, they finished twenty third in true shooting percentage. Um, and that was in large part to the fact that some of these guys on this team, R.J. Barrett, you know, you know, you know what he did on the three point line was able to improve as a three point shooter, but still could not make free throws. Um, and he's one of the guys that gets to the line as much as he does for for the Knicks team. So you look at true shooting for the Knicks; they were fifty five point nine percent. That's good for twenty third in the league. You look at the two numbers offensively; those those are the two numbers offensively that I think I look at more uh, than anything else. I look at you know points per one hundred and then true shooting. If you're below, uh, you know, 10th in both of those categories, your offense is probably not that good or or it's easier to guard or easier to bog down, especially in the playoffs. And we saw that the Hawks made quick work of the Knicks. They got them out of there. Evan Fournier is not a guy that's going to lead the league in scoring, but he is a guy that you have to respect offensively. Uh, same with Kemba Walker. At this point in Kemba Walker's career, he's not going to lead the league in scoring, um, but he can get it done offensively and create problems for you and, and, and more avenues to score, which the Knicks desperately need. I don't think this is going to jump them up into the top 10 offensively, but I do think that this will put them in that 15 range, uh, you know, mid, midway through, uh, you know, the middle of the league, middle of the pack in the NBA, and then it should help their true shooting as well because Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier are good free throw shooters, and, you know, they can knock down the the open shot on on the perimeter. So I I love this uh, for the Knicks. I think it gives Julius Randle also some opportunity to get off the ball a little bit more, make his life a little bit easier. I wonder who how it impacts R.J. Barrett because he's going to see less of the rock now. Um, he, he pretty much kind of turned in, especially in the postseason, he kind of turned into like a standstill jump shooter, um, which isn't his strength, right? Like he, he really improved in that area. But I think R.J.'s best when he's slashing and getting to the rim. I, I don't know how that affects him because Kemba and, and Fournier are two guys that can be ball dominant. And RJ does need the rock in his hand to do a little bit. So maybe does that you know open? The, it could go either way. It could either go uh, extremely well for RJ, where it now creates more space for him to drive, or he just doesn't see the ball anymore and he, he turns into you know a corner three point shooter. Which you know I, I think if you're turning RJ Barrett into that, you're kind of wasting his talent a little bit. Um, but you can you know talk about the defensive deficiencies that these two guys have in Fournier and Kemba Walker that's coming to the team. But I think Thibodeau will be able to game plan enough, and and there's still enough of uh, you know a, a defense on a string sort of mentality that the Knicks because you look at that Knicks roster, there's not really a lockdown defender, and they're still really pretty good defensively last year. So I think the system will be fine. Uh, I think Kemba is one of the best charge takers in the league, so that's going to work out for the Knicks because they don't have a, a rim protector if uh, if, uh, if your man Mitchell Robinson's not going to be healthy. Um, so you add that element to to it, you know, to save some of the point paints uh, points in the paint and also drives to the rim. 
And then Fournier, you know, he seems like an intelligent enough basketball player. He'll be able to pick things up on the fly. Um, and, and also, we really haven't been – we haven't seen Fournier be put in a position where he's had to play defense his entire career, right? Like a set, small sample mm-hmm. size in Boston last year. In Orlando, meh. I mean – that wasn't his role, and also I don't think they were demanding much from him on that end of the floor. He's, he's you know, Coach Clifford is a, is a decent defensive mind, but he's not Tom Thibodeau. So I, I think it's a I think it's a win for them offensively. Definitely will make them a, a tougher team to guard. Um, but I, I have my reservations about what it does to R.J. Barrett. But I, I do think it, it it was something that needed to happen, and also it didn't cripple themselves. Like. People look at them and like, oh, you paid this much for Fournier. You went out and got Kemba. Does it slow down the development of, uh, you know, uh, Emmanuel quickly? Does it slow down the development of all these other guys? Quickly, quickly, still going to get his minutes, right? Like he's still going to play his minutes, um, and, and he'll be fine. And then also, I think now you get two assets where if Dame or anyone else, maybe Bradley Bill, becomes available via trade, you now have contracts that you can match. To, to, to make that move in Fournier and, and maybe not Walker, but definitely Fournier. So, and, and you don't have to give up your young players to do that. So I, I do like that from that standpoint, not just on the court, but a, from an asset perspective, I think it works out for the Knicks that they now have two assets that they can move, um, you know, in, in the event that someone becomes available for them in, in a trade. I just like the way that you asked me who the winners were in free agency. I gave you four teams, and then you gave me one team, but then said you you don't know if you want to call them winners. I feel like that's quite on brand for us. But I, I'm with you. I I, I like uh, generally what the Knicks did this off season. I think you know in the playoff series, that playoff series against the Hawks, Julius Randle really struggled, and then it felt like the only other option to really create offense was Derrick Rose. And like you said, they now have Kemba Walker who has dealt with some knee issues over the last few years and I, that is worrying like maybe he's not capable of kind of playing at the all-star level again but he gives them you know a, a shooting threat off the dribble a, a really strong pick and roll player who can probably handle more of the offense than Derrick Rose can in this career so you have that and like you said Evan Fournier um, I've never really been like a big Evan Fournier guy um, but he can shoot they need that and he's another guy who can make a play um, you know, if he gets the ball with eight seconds left in the shot clock with his hands, like you, you're pretty confident he can do something. And that's just an element they didn't have last season. So I, I'm with you. Um, they do have Nolan's Noel, by the way. They re-signed him. So that's that's another, I guess, insurance policy in case Mitchell Robinson does get injured again. Um, and I do hope that this is kind of the season that Mitchell Robinson does have the breakout that I've, I, me, myself and many others, I feel like have been waiting for. Um, it, it's just going to be tough in the East, you know, that we talked about the top already. It's easy to forget about Philadelphia, um, but they were the number one seed last year. Who knows what happens with Ben Simmons, but they still have Joel Embiid, who's, you know, an MV, who was an MVP candidate, finished second in MVP voting last year, still smack dab in the middle of his prime. Like that team is going to be tough. Um, you know, we talked about the Bulls, like, and, and the Hawks as well, um, who made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I do like what the Knicks did. I just wonder, um, you know, I, I think they're better prepared for the playoffs because um, they're not going to run into the same issues offensively. But I do wonder, you know, I, I, I'm skeptical that they'll be, kind of be able to replicate last regular season, I guess. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what they're able to do next season. Um, I'm a little bit more optimistic than most, I think, with the with that team. Uh, I think they'll be able to figure it out. Uh, all right, losers um, or, or teams you were underwhelmed with their performance in free agency. Um, I, I think I, two for me come to mind immediately. 
uh, when I look at them. First and foremost, and they're both in the Western Conference. First and foremost, I'm not as mad about uh, what what this team did, the Utah Jazz did in, uh, in free agency or lack thereof in free agency as I am about the second team that I'm going to talk about. But I do have to mention the Jazz – they had a tremendous season a year ago, right? Like they, they, they were, you know, you know, fifty-two and twenty. Uh, they ran away with uh, the Western Conference. Uh, the Suns nipped at their heels cl- to close the season, but it was really the Jazz that kind of led the way, uh, pretty much throughout the entire year. They finally got Donovan Mitchell some help. Also, they were also healthy um, in, in terms of getting him some help to to get some ball handlers in there. Jordan Clarkson had an incredible year. The list goes on and on of things that you can say about Utah that was great for them a year ago. But in the playoffs, we saw where, you know, they lack certain things. And those certain things are, you know, at, at some point, you know, Rudy Gobert, who is you know, arguably uh, the best player on the team, there has to be a, a counterpunch when teams decide they want to attack him a certain way. And in the playoffs, that's when it really shows up. And I thought that they had missed an opportunity so far uh, in this offseason. Maybe they addressed that in the regular season. But uh, to pick up Hassan Whiteside uh, in free agency – it kind of shows me that you know that either there's no more bullets in the chamber to to figure out a way to you know negate the the Rudy Gobert situation uh, in the playoffs. You can't sign Hassan Whiteside and then just you know wipe your hands clean and say this is it. You know this is the team that we're going to roll with. You're very close to if you're the Jazz competing. You know you're very close to making the finals. The team the team that you know finished uh, within a game uh, against you in the in the conference, the Phoenix Suns, they were able to get to the NBA Finals. The Jazz. They just can't. I, I, I'm really disappointed. I know it's a win for them to re-sign Mike Conley because you you gave up a lot to to get him, uh, and re-signing him means that now you're set for another your championship window. Uh, if there is one in Utah, is open for another couple of years with him on the team. I'm not worried about the Mike Conley thing. That that really doesn't bother you as much as it does in the playoffs. What what has eliminated you two years in a row is the way that teams attack Rudy Gobert. He he can't really um, you know that drop coverage. He's he's elite at it. He's one of the best defenders in the league. But there's you know times where he can get played off the floor in the postseason. And to bring in Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gay just doesn't solve that for me. I know they traded it for Eric Pascal, but uh, it's, that's just not enough. I think they needed another big or. They need to figure out a way that uh, with a lineup, and maybe this is Rudy Gay, where you play him at the five and you figure out a lineup that you could be switchy and, and go small. I just don't know that Rudy Gay is the answer there. So I'm disappointed in, in what the Jazz have done, and then I'm extremely disappointed with the Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. Dame has already said and, and put you guys on notice in the front office there saying, you know what? It's now or never. You know, I'm not. A, I'm not a type of guy that's going to ask for a trade. And obviously, I'm paraphrasing. He never really said this, but we're reading between the lines, Dane. We know what you're talking about. You want to see something happen in Portland. You want to stay in Portland. You want to win in Portland. But the front office has to help you out and give you a team that's good enough to compete. And right now, the team that you have put, seen put together over this offseason is not good enough to compete. There's a trade still out there for the Portland Trailblazers. I'm wondering if they are still in the mindset of maybe we give up CJ to get back Ben Simmons, and then that maybe changes a little bit because that gives Ben that gives Ben uh, the 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 relief and and the position that he could play, which is inside, and then that gives Dame a guy um, where CJ's. It's not to say that CJ isn't a bad player, but it's not as redundant in Portland. You get a guy that's a playmaker, you get a guy that's a really good defender that could guard the best player on the other opposing team, uh, and you get a good you know when you when you want to take a break off the ball, you have someone that could do that in Ben Simmons. It just changes things a little bit, and he's younger. So I, 
maybe they still make that move. Sounds like Philly's not going to do that. Whatever the case is, there we'll, we'll wait and see. But for you guys in Portland, I know, and I know they're they're very much handcuffed in terms of uh, their salary cap because they're right up against it. Uh, a lot's going on. But to let go of Zach Collins and Ennis Cantor and to bring back Cody Zeller just isn't enough for me. Like that is just a that's not a haul. You resign Norman Powell, that's great. But to bring in Tony Snell and Cody Zeller when your back is against the wall, your star player saying we need to see some results, uh, you know, in the boardroom and off the floor, so that we can show you, uh, you know, I can give you my heart and soul when when I put this jersey on. That's just not enough. You can't bring in Cody Zeller and Tony Snell and just say that's enough in this, you know, in this NBA. So uh, Neil O'Shea and the, and the rest of that uh, front office, y'all, y'all better pick up that phone and start making some calls and get Dame some help because. If, if the Portland Trailblazers enter 2021-2022 with this roster, they, they might as well kiss Dame goodbye. And I, I like Cody Zella, old jokes aside. Like, I, I do think he's a good backup sensor. But the other problem is he's just never healthy. And suddenly, you know, if he misses a ton of time, you, you've lost some depth of that position, and that just puts more pressure on Dame. So I, I'm with you on those two. I'll throw another couple teams that, um, one, I, I, it was a weird offseason for the Pelicans. Like, it, it just was. Um, giving up Lonzo Ball, they could have brought him back. They could have matched um, the offer sheet that he signed with the Bulls in restricted free agency. Um, he's proven to be a pretty good fit next to Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. And by all accounts, it seems like both those guys really enjoy playing Lonzo Ball. Um, but that trade with the with the Bulls to get back Thomas Sadoransky um, was a little weird to me. And then giving up what they did to get Devontae Graham. Like we, we've seen, you and I have seen a lot of Devontae Graham over the last couple of years living in Charlotte. Um, and I like him as a player. I think he's going to bring some some much needed volume three-point shooting to this team. He can sp- space the floor for Zion Williams and everything like that. Um, but it just felt like they had their eyes on bigger things this offseason. They did add Jonas Valanciunas in that that trade for Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams with the Memphis Grizzlies. And I do think Valanciunas has the potential to fit in pretty well next to Zion. But, you know, there's been reports of Zion um, maybe getting a, a little bit uncomfortable in New Orleans or putting a little bit of pressure on this franchise to kind of build something around him. Um, and they still have time, but... At some point, they're probably going to have to have more to show for it than they did this offseason. So I, I think just generally for them, it was kind of a weird offseason. And I'm going to take a page out of your book. I don't necessarily want to call this team straight up losers in this offseason. But I, I'm a little underwhelmed by what the Dallas Mavericks did. Because going into free agency, you know, there was a lot of talk about them potentially eyeing Kyle Lowry. Um, also Kawhi Leonard. Like they were the one team really um, that was being mentioned as a possibility for Kawhi if he did decide to leave LA. And I mean, you can't really, you know, criticize him too much for that because Kawhi resigned with the Clippers. So there, there potentially was never a chance for them to really pursue him. And by all accounts, it does look like Kyle Lowry was pretty set on joining the Heat, um, which again is a great fit for him on both ends of the court. He's also very close to Jimmy Butler. It sounds like they were kind of his number one team going to free agency. So maybe they never really had a chance with either of those guys. Um, but they had cap space, you know, after that series against the Clippers or losing to them the last couple couple uh, playoffs. It's become pretty clear that they could do with another ball handler um, next to Luka Doncic. Like, I, I kind of liked the idea of, like, DeMar DeRozan, for example. Um, and I haven't seen much reporting of them going after him in free agency. And... They're going to hit some issues here because Luca's extension is going to kick in. Chris Porzingis is still in the books for, for quite a bit of money, and they're not going to have as much cap space moving forward, um, especially with like re-signing Tim Hardaway Jr. and everything like that. Um, I mean, but to your point, like kind of what you said, 
um, with like re-signing Norman Powell. They did re-sign Tim Hardaway Jr. That was big for them. They got more shooting in Reggie Bullock. Um, Sterling Brown is a nice addition to their second unit and everything. But I, I don't know. They they were just a team that I. It seems like they also had their eyes on, on making a big move and it kind of never materialized. So maybe that's something, you know, there's been talks about them being interested in Goran Dragic and that would be a nice pickup for them and kind of the right piece or the right it's thing they need moving forward. It's not, it's, not, it's not enough, but, you know, like, like he's someone who can kind of address some of their issues and obviously he's very close to Luka Doncic. But um, I, I don't know. I, I just felt like there was they were kind of gearing up for a big move this offseason. Yeah, they, they were. The one thing that you can give them, though, is that they were able to resign Luka to that, you know, Supermax. Yes, and right. he's going to be in Dallas for a little while. So that's a, a small victory there. I'm with you on New Orleans. It feels like they just kind of shuffled the deck and, and pulled up the same cards. Like, um, you know, when you look at, you, you mentioned Devontae Graham, a guy that we've also, uh, we've seen a lot here in Charlotte. And um, he's not much, di- he's kind of a, a worse version of Lonzo Ball, especially defensively. He's not anywhere on Lonzo's level defensively, but he can shoot uh, and had a great season catching and shooting the ball. You for a team that has that was as bad defensively, you know, randomly was as so bad defensively with all the defensive guys that they had. But a team that is as bad defensively as they are, they replaced every one of their guys that could play any lick of defense with guys mm-hmm. that can't. Um, maybe Gary Mary, Gary Temple is the best return in terms of uh, a guy that could lock down – not lock down, but play a little bit of defense. But Devontae Graham's not a good defender. Thomas Sadoransky, that's my guy. He's not a good defender. And and JV, Jonas Valanciunas, I've, I've often said he's the best rebounder in the league. Some of that has to do with defense, but I, I don't think uh, – he he is you know an upgrade over Stephen At Stephen Adams too much defensively, uh, especially you know having to play alongside Zion who hasn't been interested in playing defense yet in his career. So, um, you know the, the the Pelicans a bad defensive team in my opinion gets worse. So I, I'm right alongside with you with uh with the lack of moves that they've made. But who knows Willie Green new coach maybe new system maybe things change mm-hmm. there. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see and, and, and find out. Um. All right, next year's free agent crap uh, crop rather <laughs> is uh, in, in <laughs> twenty twenty two. Yeah, twenty twenty two. What is headlined right now for the time being by James Harden, who has a player option. Um, if he decides to decline it, he will be a free agent, unrestricted. Uh, if he decides to opt in, he uh, he he will not be a free agent. But there's a couple players uh, that do have that player option: James Harden, John Wall. Uh, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie Irving. Um, I'll ask you those guys first. Do you assume that everyone's going to opt in? Um, I or, no, at least, I, I or at least stay with their get get their deals, you know, uh, yeah. amended so they're not free agents. I would okay. John Wall would not be surprised if he picks up his player option because it's something like forty five million or something, isn't it? It's, um, it's according to Sport Sport Rack. It's a uh, Spot Rack. It's forty two million plus. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, it's, a good, it's a good amount of money. It, it seems like a safe assumption that he'll pick that up. I think James Harden and Kyrie Irving um, are fascinating. I I would expect them to come and sign an extension with the Nets this offseason. Um, mm-hmm. Align their contracts with Kevin Durant like that. That makes sense to me. Um, but who knows? Bradley Beal, I I would imagine he's going to turn down that player option because, um, one, I mean, he's potentially going to be, if we're assuming that James Harden and Kyrie Irving are off the table, Bradley Beal is going to be the best free agent next offseason. And we all know teams like the Celtics are interested in him, um, the Warriors, like every team in the league is going to be interested in signing him. Um, So he'll have that option. But also, according to ESPN's Bobby Marks, he's going to be eligible for a five-year 235 million dollar deal if he 
declines that player option and re-signs with the Washington Wizards. So based on how much money that he could make, um, I think it's safe to assume that he's going to decline that and, and re-up or go somewhere else. Um, what was it? What was the? Did I miss someone else? And Russ, Russell Westbrook is the last one. But uh, just quickly on Beal, that player option for Beal would be thirty-five million next uh, mm-hmm. in in twenty twenty-two twenty-three. So um, I'm with you. I think he'll decline that because he's probably in more in the forty million dollar per year range at this point in his career, and that's where the money is. Also, like that's yep. where most most guys are getting paid. But Russ is the last of that five. I mean, who knows with Russ? <laughs> Again, like I, I don't know. Four, Forty-one mil on the table for him that season. So, um, I mean, my gut says he'd probably pick that up. Um, yeah. But again, who knows? He's been bouncing from team to team over the last three years. So, I'm not 100% sold. As I said, with this fit with the Lakers, um, I think there's you know a possibility that it does work out. There's also a possibility that um, their flaws really show up in the playoffs and prevent them from going on another like a deep finals run. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, Ed, Russell's is a, probably the hardest one of that group to, to kind of predict at this point. I think they all opt in except for Beal. Um, or at least get their contracts remade so that they're not free agents, except for Beal. I think Beal, if he's not traded this year, um, I think he's going to put some real pressure on Washington to figure things out. Um, but yeah, that, that's a lot of money to leave on the table, to, to leave behind in Washington if he does become a free agent and turns on this player option because, uh, mm-hmm. as you said, over $200 million is... It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but other free agent, there's a, there's the, so that's the top tier. There is a good amount of players in that secondary range. I think this 2022 class that's coming up in the secondary range is in terms of that second tier of free agents uh, is a lot uh, more stocked than it was this past season. Yeah, there's a pretty um, so big drop off from like yeah. tier one to the next tier this yeah. offseason. Yeah, so I'll, I'll read you some of the names that uh, could become available uh, as free agents next year. Zach Levine should be at the top of that list, and Chicago obviously made their moves and, and put everything, all their cards on the table, hoping that uh, he remains there. He'll be an unrestricted free agent uh, in the next next summer. Um, and then we go down to Aaron Gordon, um, obviously the trade to Denver. You know, he's, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. They would love to keep him. Goran Dragic, same thing. He's traded to Toronto. doesn't seem like he wants to be there, but he's an unrestricted free agent next year. That's a huge trade chip for the Raptors. Then you look at the guys like Terry Rozier, and you look at guys like Ricky Rubio, and you look at guys like Jonas Valanciunas, and you look at guys like Thaddeus Young, who's quietly just keeps having nice seasons, um, you know, in, in different roles. Uh, and Patrick Beverly, does he still have one more in him? Um, you know, Joe Ingles, Marcus Smart is a big one. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic is a big one. Robert Covington is a big one for the Portland Trailblazers. So TJ TJ Warren, does he get back to what he was in the bubble? He could be an unrestricted free agent uh, next season as well. So there are a couple names there. Um, and, you know, in terms of big men, you can look at Tristan Thompson. Uh, you could look at Serge Ibaka. You could look at Montrez Harrow. All of them will be unrestricted free agents. Um, you know, Kyle Anderson. So there's a decent amount of players that will become – uh, available via unrestricted free agency next year. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I think the only one that I'm really highly interested in uh, is is Zach Levine. I, I want to know what level of contract he would get uh, from the Chicago Bulls, and if he decides to you know shop himself around, you know what would a team be willing to pay? Because he's such an interesting player. It feels to me like. To get the best out of Zach Levine, he's got to be your go-to guy. But then, if he's your go-to guy, then you're destined to be, you know, on the road in the first round of the, of the playoffs, and, and probably don't make it beyond that. 
Um, if TJ Warren did get back to the play, he was in the bubble, by the way. The Pacers basically just got Michael Jordan 2.0. So that that is big to, to monitor <laughs> next year. But yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic about um, Zach Levine because coming into the NBA, he was kind of like a more off-ball player, spot-up shooter, coming around screens, cutting to the basket. And he's improved tremendously as an on-ball creator over the last couple of years. Mainly because he's had to in Chicago. Like he's been there. They're only really big source of offense, especially from the perimeter. Um, and one of the reasons that I think the DeMar DeRozan trade is so interesting is because DeMar has basically been like a point forward over the last few years in San Antonio. And this is a guy who's always been known um, as a pretty ball dominant player. But his usage has gone down. He's become a more efficient scorer and like honed in on, on his strengths offensively. And he's developed into a really good, smart, and efficient passer. And I think, you know, again, after the last couple of years that Zach Levine has had to handle the ball a ton, DeMar Rosen is going to be able to take some of that off his plate. And I think, you know, a couple more spot-up possessions here per game for Zach Levine, a couple more cuts playing off of Nikola Vucevic because they really didn't play that much off of each other. And he's another guy who you can run your offense through through the elbows and in the post. Like, I, I think Zach Levine has an opportunity to really prove himself as like a just, I mean, he, he's already proven himself to be a dynamic playmaker and scorer, but a really well-rounded one. And I think when you put all those pieces together, like he's the type of offensive player you can fit into pretty much any system. Because, you know, if he, if he is 1A or 1B on offense, he can kind of be that primary creator, but he can also play next to another star. Um, so, I, I, I mean, it's going to be another big season for him. Obviously, he's never been to the playoffs before. This team is built for the playoffs, and I think... He's probably going to get a big payday regardless because that's just the player that he's developed into. But if he can kind of prove himself, you know, to, to fit in alongside all those pieces, be the leader of this team at the same time and lead them to they, their best season in a long time, that's obviously going to set him up um, for a big deal in free agency. So I, I, he, I, I'm with you. Like, I am fascinated to see kind of how this season develops for him and, and how free agency shapes up because after Beal, um, again, assuming all those guys either opt in or sign extensions, Zach Levine is a guy who's going to get a lot of interest around the league. So, um, yeah, another another huge huge season for him. But I'm even beyond those guys that you mentioned. Like restricted free agency is also going to be really interesting because you know, right? In Denver, you have like the Michael Porter Jr. situation. Um, he right. made a big leap this season, but is he a guy that they you know they're going to max out and they view as being that? number two or number three next to to Jokic and Jamal Murray. Um, you have Colin Sexton. Obviously, his name's been mentioned in a lot of trade rumors this season. He's coming off the best season of his career, averaged over 20 points per game. Um, but the Cavs, you know, they're, they're young. They've got a lot of different pieces themselves. Is is he someone who's they're going to re-sign no matter what? Is he going to go somewhere else? Is there going to be another sign and trade? Um, and then obviously DeAndre Ayton too, <laughs> um, a guy who was – probably the, the most improved player in the playoffs. Um, completely bought into his role, was huge on both ends of the court for the Phoenix Suns, played a crucial role in their run to the finals. Um, I, I would imagine being the number one pick, kind of the season that he's just had, he's kind of gearing him, himself up for a max contract. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how things shake out for him and, and kind of the other players in that class. Yeah, Kevin Herter is the other one to me to keep an eye on uh, as a guy that I think a team would likely overpay to just get him away from Atlanta. And he might take on, um, you know, he might be excited about that because he, he might have a bigger role on another team. 
Um, just, you know, he's, he's 24 right now. He broke out for me in the playoffs um, and, and really helped them get past the Philadelphia 76ers with his play uh, and allowing Trey Young to be off the ball a little bit and, and stepping up and making some big shots, especially on the road um, in, in some of those games. So uh, Herter is a guy that I, I think could develop into a, a nice starter uh, on another team. And right now um, he's caught in a log jam in the backcourt there uh, in Atlanta. Still a good situation for him in Atlanta, mm-hmm. but maybe, you know, if the if the the Hawks kind of price themselves out of the market because uh, you know a lot of contracts are coming up for them. Um, it, it might be tough for for them to hold on to a guy like uh, like Kevin Herter uh, if a, if a team comes away with a big offer. Um, J- Jaron Jackson Jr. By the way, quietly is oh, also yeah, up. you're right. He's That's a good up, one uh, as well. So uh, he, you know, the last year wasn't a, a year that he would write home about, but um, that's a you know that's a player that. A lot of potential um, when he was playing basketball, when he was playing on the floor, uh, you know, a, a true three and D big, which I think the, the rest of the league would love to uh, mm-hmm. to get their hands on. Um, but uh, who knows with his injury history and, and, and what happens uh, this season is going to be huge for him. Um, all right. Let, let's uh, let's move on from uh, one thing I'll say about the next year's free agency um, in terms of not just. Just players, but teams. I, I know I crushed the uh, the Blazers just now for the poor offseason they've had so far this year. Next year, they could have a lot of money, uh, as a lot of guys, if they choose not to return uh, to Portland and, and they let them kind of drop off the books and or they lose them for nothing, uh, could open up some space for them. And that Robert Covington's an un- unrestricted potential uh, free agent with the Blazers. Um, you know, obviously Tony Snell, who they just picked up this year, could be that. Um, you know, there there is a couple there that uh, you know that they, Cody Zeller is another guy that could uh, could fall off the books for them. Derek Jones Jr. is another guy. Nurkic is the big one. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would assume they would like to keep him, but the, the team could look completely different. Or these are names that could end up in a trade scenario. Um, you know, with the caveat that hey, these guys won't even be on your your books next year if you're looking for a rebuilding situation or to clear some room. Uh, so maybe uh. There's still time for them to build a team around Dame, but uh, I think the time is running out, in my opinion. Yep, we'll see. It's uh, it's. It, I mean, it feels like all eyes are on Dame at this point, right? Like we've been talking about whether or not he's going to request a trade. What feels like for the last two months, um, those those talks aren't going to slow down. He's been talking about the moves that they've made this offseason, everything like that. So that's as long as he's on the team. Um, that's and as long as you know they're kind of gearing up for trying to make a deep playoff run. Um, the the Blazers are going to be a fascinating team, uh, and obviously want to keep kind of tabs on. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, quickly before we leave free agency talk, do you have uh, give me one team where you think Schroeder might make sense and and Laurie Markkinen makes sense? Uh, Schroeder, I, I mean, I think Jordan Schultz reported um, today that the Celtics have offered him a a one year deal for the the taxpayer MLE, which is about five point nine million dollars. Um, he added that you know Schroeder wants the full MLE, which is nine point five, and also a player option <laughs> in that second year. I'm so sure it seems does. like you know there's there's still some work to be done. But I, I mean I think the Celtics do make sense for him at this point because there's just not a ton of money um, available now that we're what a week and a week and a bit we can well, change. Money's out of the question agency. for Schroeder. Like money's well, right. he, he messed that one up. Everyone knows uh, we don't have to go through it. Everyone knows what he turned down with the Lakers, and now uh, that that money that he turned down and maybe. Um, you know more what I'm sure he was looking for is not available it's all about fit and role for him right. now right so and the Celtics do have a, a decent situation where he can come back to the east and maybe even start for that team 
Exactly. Um, you know, being a difference maker on a team, we know they gave up Kemba Walker in that trade with the Thunder this offseason to get back Al Horford. So they, they still have players who can kind of play that point guard position. And obviously Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum handle the ball a ton. Um, but they, they could do with another point guard. And yeah, it, it would be an opportunity for Schroeder to kind of prove himself once again in a big market on a team that should be competitive next season and will be ma- looking to make a deep playoff run. So that could set him up for free agency next offseason. So I think the Celtics make a lot of sense for him at this point. Larry Markkinen, there isn't really a team that jumps out to me as much. And Jake Fisher on Bleacher Report reported that there's kind of belief among, uh, among personnel in the league that he might just have to accept a one-year qualifying offer and then be a res- unrestricted free agent next offseason at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um some of the teams that have been mentioned for him, like the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, the Celtics. Um, I don't really love the Pelicans or Timberwolves for him because I think, you know, Larry Markkinen's not a particularly strong defender. And I think at that at this point for these two teams, when you're looking at building around Zion Williamson, you're looking at building around Anthony Edwards and Anthony Towns, like you want strong defenders in the front court. So they don't really make a ton of sense for me. Celtics, I can kind of see um, space the floor for a big next to, to, to Tatum and Brown and everything like that. Um, the one team that really did that I've always kind of liked for Larry Markkinen was the Hornets because um, they were kind of that they needed bigs and I think you know you want spacing next to Lamelo Ball um, and Terry Rozier and everything like that. But they're also like kind of quietly loaded in the front court now. Like they have Kelly Oubre who can play some of the stretch four for them. PJ Washington can play the four and the five. Mal Bridges plays the four. They got Mason Plumley. Kai Jones is probably going to get some minutes next season. Um, so I just, I, I just don't know if there's a big enough opportunity for him there anymore. Yeah, it, it, it really is tough to find a fit uh, for marketing. My Schroeder fit, uh, you know, in an ideal world, money aside, I think he could take a look at Washington at this point. That's a, a situation where um, you're only really playing behind or in front of Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, Brad Brad Beal's locked into that two guard spot, and I think Schroeder's best used in a, in a lineup where he doesn't have to be the starting point guard. He can be either six man coming off the bench or in a three guard rotation. Um, I think him, you know, playing either with Spencer Dinwiddie or behind Spencer Dinwiddie with Bradley Beal in that mix would be a nice situation for him. Um, obviously, they're not shelling out any cash to go and you know overpay for for Dennis Schroeder, but uh, that might be a situation that might make sense for him. Money aside, uh, and then if you're looking at marketing. Um, the Blazers, uh, we just talked about it. You know, um, you know what they what they didn't do in the offseason. Uh, I think if he was an unrestricted free agent, Markkinen would be getting a lot more interest. But the fact that he's restricted is it, it kind of it's turning kind of turning teams off. They just don't want to offer up that offer sheet and overpay for a guy like that. Um, but the Blazers need a stretch big, right? They they need someone that could stretch the floor a little bit. Zeller's not that. Nurkic is not mm. that. They just don't have any uh, any bigs that can do that. Uh, and, and and with a marketing, you know, especially if he's coming off your bench, I think that's an offensive, um, you know, uh, plus on that side. He kind for me, he would kind of step into the role that Carmelo Anthony was playing last year, um, yeah. and, and replace him there, and you know, kind of focus on. Uh, coming in and you know either getting hot or, and stretching the floor and helping out with uh, with Dame and CJ. So um, that, that's a team for me that uh, if marketing uh, was an unrestricted free agent, he could he could end up there. Uh, I'd also in an ideal world, I, I think he w- it would put them over the top. Uh, imagine him in Phoenix, like if he if he was playing you know coming off the bench behind you know Jay Crowder um, and, and giving yep. them the you know the offensive punch that they would have needed in some of those times. He's a better and I think a tougher 
player than people give him credit for. I know many people haven't really watched Chicago. He, has, he hasn't been on a big stage yet, um, you know, given the fact that the, the Bulls haven't made the playoffs when he's on the team. Um, and and he's, he's, still, he's still quite young. He's only going to be 24 this season. This is a 24 season coming up. But uh, I saw him play in FIBA, um, you know, with for Finland at home. There was a lot of pressure on him, uh, and that was before his his uh, his rookie year in the NBA. It was in between his 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 awful, awful, awful. If people remember summer league stretch, he uh, he left summer league and went and played for his home country in Finland, and they were hosting EuroBasket uh, 2017, and he played really well at that tournament uh, and kind of just. Uh, shook off a lot of the stink that left uh, that he left summer league with, and turned that into a really quality uh, rookie year. Um, you know, 15 points for him. Uh, you know, seven and a half rebounds, and then his sophomore year with the Bulls, uh, 18 points, nine rebounds. And you're, you're thinking to yourself, hmm, maybe there's something here. And then, um, you know, injuries and everything else kind of uh, has, has slowed him down. Um, never quite been as efficient shooting from the floor as you wanted him to, but he he was knocking down 36% of threes in his first two seasons, uh, and you know first career is a 37% three point shooter. So mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I think there's something there with him. Um, maybe he do, maybe he does have to stay in Chicago one more year, and and if this team does make the playoffs, there'll be more suitors next season uh, for his uh, you know for his services. But um, I, I wouldn't give up um, and sell all my Larry Markkinen stock yet. He's still seven foot, two hundred forty pounds, and can shoot the three. I, I think I'm going to give him some time. Yeah, the uh, I've always been intrigued by his his talent. Um, I do remember that, by the way, before his rookie season, because I feel like I remember very vividly like muscle watch being a thing between when he ended free age, uh, summer league and then started playing for Finland. Like it looked like he pa- packed on a ton of weight um, right. and size and everything. Uh, muscle, obviously, but. Um, I've always been intrigued by his skill set. You said seven footer who can space the floor, not necessarily at the rate um, that maybe you'd like, but has also shown shown some some playmaking chops and things like that. So, right. um, while we've been talking about this, by the way, Mark Stein did report that apparently the Mavericks have joined the Pelicans in in registering interest in Larry Markkinen, and okay. they're 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 restricted in terms of how much they can offer. Um, Stein says that. In a sign and trade, they'd have to. Ba- it tops out at basically eleven million dollars per year that they could offer him. Um, that that's interesting to me. I mean, obviously, you want a ton of spacing around Luka Doncic, but again, going back to what we were saying earlier, I do feel like another ball handler is is what they really need. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they don't need another seven footer who misses a lot, a ton of games. They, they that's not <laughs> what they need. Uh, and having to overpay for him on top of that. Uh, all right, it's early, Scott, in the off season, um, but I feel like it's it's a good time to get our takes off for next season without any uh, and any any thought into it or any repercussions coming our way. Uh, I'm going to remove the caveat of if if injuries aside, we're just going to assume that everyone's super healthy. Um, next season and uh, there aren't any injuries and season goes the way we expect it to go um, if I asked you who not who wins the championship just give me the two finalists who ends yep. up in the NBA finals next season uh, coming out of the east and coming out of the west right now no you don't need to say injuries aside we we already mm-hmm. have that in place everyone's healthy who are your two teams look I, I love the Bucks. I love what they did last season um, Giannis has Staked his claim, you know, as arguably the best player in the world. Um, I do think the loss of PJ Tucker um, does hurt them quite a bit. And I think, you know, you saying as long as everyone's healthy, it's hard to bet against the Nets coming out of the East. Like their talent is undeniable. Um, as I said, I love the addition of Patty Mills. They did like a pretty nice job in rounding out their second unit in free agency. I, I think 
it, it's just it's just hard to bet against them. Um, and the little that we did see of Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Rant together this season, uh, they looked it 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 worked like that they they did make it work together um it didn't look like they were really stepping on each other's toes maybe that changes next season once they're playing 60 games together and the honeymoon period is over um but that i i feel like we've just seen enough at this point to kind of trust them um that all things considered they're the, the most talented team in the league and they should come out of the east in the west Again, if we're talking about health, um, hard to bet against the Lakers because in this situation, we're assuming that LeBron is kind of the player he was before he went down with an injury last season. And it's really easy to forget that he was, by all accounts, uh, everyone kind of considered him the front runner for MVP. So you have him, you have Anthony Davis at full strength. Again, I don't really, I'm not really quite there with the Russ edition, um, but they're going to be tough to play against. They're going to live in transition. They're going to grind on both ends of the court. Um, I, I think all things considered that they're probably number one in the West right now, um, maybe even a tier to themselves. So Nets and Lakers, I think, are the pretty safe bets right now. I'm with you on the Nets, Audis. Um, I, I do really and truly believe that the Brooklyn Nets um, you know, will, will kind of walk through the Eastern Conference. I don't know what they'll look like in the regular season. I don't know if they'll take it seriously or not. Um, but I, have a, I, I just have this gut feeling that Kevin Durant's coming back on a uh, – on a, on a big revenge tour, um, if you will, yeah. um, you know, a guy that I think, you know, losing sometimes reminds you, um, you know, how hard it is to win. And Kevin Durant uh, and the Brooklyn Nets as an organization, um, you know, in my opinion, like I, I said it on this podcast at the time, the winner of the Eastern Conference semifinal game, uh, series between the Bucks and Nets were going to win the championship. It turned out that the Bucks did win the championship. So if you're if you're the Brooklyn Nets and you see that and you push the Bucks to a seven game series that was grueling, mentally exhausting, um, and you know you didn't even have your best unit going forward, I think that's going to remind them that you know not to take this thing for granted and really push and, and try to win a championship in Brooklyn. So I do have them coming out of the Eastern Conference. I do think that Kevin Durant is going to push for an MVP trophy and add to his legacy. Um, I think James Harden's going to come back. We didn't see James Harden in shape last year. Like James Harden came mm-hmm. to the NBA out of shape and worked himself back in shape by the time the playoffs rolled around and pulled his hamstring. Like he's that's not happening this time. He's entering day one in shape. And we know that James Harden, you have to pry him off the basketball court in terms of load management and everything else. So he's going to play a decent amount of games and, and be ready to rock. So I And I he's have, still by the way, sorry, and he was still an MVP candidate at one point. Right, like we, he was right. working his way into that discussion. Like that's how good he was after he joined the Nets. Yeah, I had to, I had an I had a head scratcher moment uh, right before we came on uh, this episode, and I looked at the the show uh, the show title card and and saw the picture of Kevin Durant and James Harden. And said to myself, I can't believe that we kind of sit here and take for granted that these two dudes are on the same team. <laughs> and then, and that, not only that, but the fact that the third best player on the team is Kyrie Irving. Like, what are we like? Yeah. We're, we're so spoiled as NBA fans sometimes. Like uh, all the, uh, you know, the, the, the teams that we've seen over the years, players uh, playing together, like the, the Warriors team with, with Kevin Durant is just, I mean, unbelievable. It's the best team I've ever seen play. And it, it is by far the best team the NBA team has ever seen play. And that includes the 86 Celtics. That includes the 01 Lakers. Any team that includes the 96 any team you want to put up there, that Warriors team is beating them. Bar none. I don't want. To, I don't want to hear anything else. In the seven game series, that that Warriors team is destroying them. Um, but like the, the fact that we sit here and take that for granted, uh, and, and still like, if you had said, 
you know, two years ago that Kevin Durant and James Harden were on the same team again. Um, it, it, it's insane to think. And, they, and they're and they here, right here, right now. Um, and, and we kind of just like, ah, well, whatever, you know. <laughs> but uh, I have the, I have the East uh, being being taken by the Brooklyn Nets. Out West, um, I think this is the year. And I know that Kawhi is hurt. I know he's wow, going to miss some time. you're going the, the I, I Clippers skeptic. This, I think this is the year that the Clippers finally have some fortune wow. go their way and and make it to the finals. I don't know if they'll win. I don't know if they'll beat the the Nets when they get there, but I do think that things will fall into place for them and uh, and and they'll 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 make it to the finals. I just have this gut feeling that it's going to work out for them. Um, you know, I I really like all jokes aside, what I saw Tyron Lue do in the playoffs from a coaching perspective. Yeah. I really think that the Clippers. Had they been healthy, they probably might have gotten past the Phoenix Suns, and we might be looking at a team that would have been the NBA champions. Um, you know, they had an argument there. Uh, if Kawhi doesn't get hurt, that they could have been in the finals, and you know, given the Bucks issues. So, I I think I think Ty Lue speaks to these guys. I think he's he understands who he is and makes enough adjustments. Um, you know, you could talk about how he starts off series slow and everything else, but I think he figured out a way to get through to his team and have his team believe in him because it's one thing you know the clippers know that they're talented i don't think they believed in doc rivers though i don't think they believed in what he was saying it wasn't that doc was a bad coach i just don't think that they believed in um you know what he was putting forth and but you saw them kind of believe in Ty Lue because they would go down 0-2 in a series and then all of a sudden they'd be right back in it and win it and mm. it was a, it was a lot of the the adjustments that Ty Lue was making on the fly in the series whether in game or you know between games that worked out for them and so the proof is there in the pudding so now if they're healthy next season and i know Kawhi's going to miss a lot of time with this injury but if he if he gets back in the midseason and he's healthy and ready to go by the playoffs i do think that the clippers can make uh, a run here and 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 kind of you know finally uh hoist that championship that uh they basically sold everybody and their souls for uh you know two years ago when they they traded for paul george and, and gave up you know every draft pick for uh you know eternity yeah, I, I feel like I'm usually the one who's higher on the Clippers, and you're usually the uh, the skeptic. So I'm I'm surprised that you uh, that they were your answer. I mean, it, it going back to like you know, it's easy to forget that LeBron was the front runner for MVP last season. It's easy to forget that Kawhi was having like get, having an all time postseason before he got injured. Like he was averaging 30 points per game on on close to 60, 40, 90 shooting splits. He was just yeah. on a completely other level. Um, yep. Looking even better than the guy who led the Raptors to their title in 2019. Um, I, I mean, I know you said, like, I, we're assuming that everyone's healthy at this point. Um, absolutely. If Kawhi Leonard can get back to that level, they, they will be in this conversation. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. Like, there's a chance that he misses, I guess, 40 games next season. There's also a chance he misses, what, like, the, the entire regular season. Like, we, we, we just have no idea. Um, so before we kind of see that, it's hard for me to see them over the, the Lakers. But absolutely, they, they they really proved a lot, I feel like, um, even though they lost, what, in six games to the Phoenix Suns in the conference finals. It, it did feel like they they got over a lot of their demons in that run um, and really proved themselves as, as a team to that, that can do it if, if the things kind of fall into place for them. Yeah, it, it's just tough for me to pick the Lakers for two things. Age. I think is is going to go against them. It's hurting them a little bit, and a lot of the guys that they brought in are going to are older players, um, and they're just they're just expecting a lot from 
um, you know, not just LeBron, but AD especially. That team is nothing without, uh, you know, an Anthony Davis that we saw in the bubble. Um, and for him to, I, I just don't know that he's <laughs> he's going to be able to carry that load the entire year um, on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. And then it, when you add that much, whether it's talent or just that many players um, and have a, such a roster turnover as they had, it is tough to really get back up and going. Where the Clippers, for the first time since they've gotten Kawhi and Paul George, this is the this they're pretty much rolling out the ball and saying, "Hey, let's run it back." Nick Batum resigned. They didn't lose anybody. Reggie Jackson's there. Um, you know, they didn't they didn't lose any of their their key cogs that you know were were there from a season ago. So. Um, I think they, the the main issue from year one was a chemistry issue. Um, clearly, it showed uh, you know throughout the regular season. Whether you want to say it's Trez or, or or Morris or Doc or whoever it was, I think all of that's gone. It seems like this team kind of knows who they are now. They know what they can bring to the table, and that was my issue with them in the year one. I don't think they really knew who they were, um, mm-hmm. but they know who they are now. Ty Lue's the perfect coach for them, and. I think there's something to be said about. I know we talked about free agency. This is a free agency, you know, show, but there is something to be said about just running it back. Um, sometimes, you know, you, you you have a team that's really good, and you know, bad luck hits in terms of the injuries, and you, you just didn't you know reach your peak, and you can run it back and maybe be right there. And the Bucks are a perfect example of that. I know they they yeah. tried it many many times, and they added Drew Holiday, so he's a big piece, but. Um, for the most part, it's their core. They just kind of added, you know, players here and there and tweaked to it, and they were able to finally uh, reach the mountaintop. And I think the Clippers might be the same thing. The Suns are still going to be a good team. Like I don't, I don't see, um, you know, much of a drop off from the Phoenix Suns. They might win the Western Conference in terms of uh, regular season record, uh, but the Clippers, I think, if they're, I'm assuming Kawhi comes back and he's, you know, close to the guy that we saw when he left, and uh, you know, Paul George comes back and, and plays really well, and then. We saw what Reggie Jackson can do and everybody else uh, sort of knowing their role for the first time with this team. Uh, I think they get to the to the finals next season. And that would be fun. You know, Brooklyn and, yeah, and, and the Clippers would be an incredible, incredible finals. Brooklyn and the, and the Lakers would be, a, would be a fun series too because you then you have Kawhi, uh, Katie and the LeBron angle. But I, I really feel like Kawhi and Katie have been on a collision course for a couple of years now. Uh, and mm-hmm. it would be fun to see it. The final four of Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, Nets. Whew. Yeah. Oh, be, my goodness. That would be something. Um, by the way, we should say, like, I, I also, who knows what he's going to be like for them because he's dealt with injuries, been limited to 37 games over the last two seasons. But I do like the Clippers taking a flyer on Justice Winslow. Um, right. A guy who can do a little bit of everything. Like, he, he kind of played, like, a point forward role at one time in Miami. Um, had a couple seasons where he shot the three ball well. Can get downhill. He's a versatile defender. Um, again, who knows if he can stay healthy, if he can kind of crack that rotation everything. But that's that's a guy, like, for a team like that, that just doesn't have much financial flexibility, not many resources to really improve their roster in the offseason. Um, that, that's an addition I really like for that team. So I'm interested to see what he can bring. Yeah. And uh, I, I do expect them to be active on the buyout market, just like Brooklyn was last year. Like they pretty much got gifted a couple players. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, all the all the prayers in the world to him. He he might come out and uh, play basketball again. It seems like reports are, but also getting Blake Griffin and, and players like that. Like yeah. um, you know, Clippers are a destination that could end up being that for you know one of these guys that got bought out. And uh, but you're right about Winslow. Winslow was playing a little point guard for uh, for the Heat yeah. at, at points. Um, you know, and and that the Clippers could definitely use that. So. 
um that, that's that's our that's my that's my pick uh early predictions super early predictions uh here on nba sound system if you missed any part of the show you can go back in the, and listen to it in its entirety on the podcast feed just type in nba sound system wherever you get your podcast and reminder 3 p.m eastern time where uh nba global is uh around the world nba.com uh scott rafferty carlin gay um, we will see you guys next week right here, same time, 3 p.m. Eastern, New Pacific, right here on NBA Sound System. Enjoy your weeks, folks.